Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's good to see so many of you here worshiping in our sanctuary, and yet we also, it's great to see so many people worshiping with us on Facebook, dial in, and I assume also a few people out uh, following us um, through uh, the radio as well. All right, this morning we continue our theme, On the Rock. And this morning we talk about On the Rock with Guilt. Do you ever know, or did you know, that the first time that Hide and Seek was ever played? No? Well... Let's, let's think a way back now. Yeah, probably not like uh, you would think like during the time of Little House on the Prairie, right? They don't have electricity. No, it happened way before that. How about with Adam and Eve, with God in the garden? Adam and Eve ate the apple, and when they had heard the Lord walking in the garden, they hid themselves. You know, they, they uh, decided that, that God shouldn't see them for, for what they did and what happened. But it, this kind of also reminds me of playing hide-and-seek with a toddler. I was, I was going to name one of my kids by name, but I'm not going to do that, Abby. But when it was her turn to hide... Abby would hide herself in the middle of the living room while covering her eyes. She kind of went like this. And the reason why she, she did that was because when she didn't see me finding her, she also thought I couldn't find her or I couldn't see her. She was right in the middle of the living room floor. You knew where she was, but you tried to pretend that you didn't know where she was. So here, Adam and Eve are in the garden, and they're hiding. And what's God say? Hey, what happened to you? Where did you go? So when God called out to Adam, he asked Adam what he did. Why are you hiding? And what does he say? Hey, it's not my fault, it's her fault. She told me I could eat the apple. She gave it to me. And so what does God do? He looks to Eve. Hey, Eve. What happened? What did you do? What happened? Oh, it's not my fault. It was the serpent. It was the snake. He told me to eat the apple. He told me if I ate the apple, I would not die. But I would be more like you. And hey, who, who doesn't want to be more like you? What do we see here? We see a lot of finger pointing, don't we? 
It might be easier to point the finger at someone else. But do we like it when that someone points that finger back to us? And we then are blamed for something that someone else said or did. Don't we hear that today? You know, we go out and we hear what society is saying. Well, all these riots, they're not our fault. You know, somebody else caused it. It's something that happened a few months ago that, that is causing us to riot today. There are some people that are good and bad. But everything that has taken place since Floyd's death is someone else's fault. And so we get this idea, um, kind of like the same thing from Galatians chapter 3. And that's our text for this morning. Where they're pointing their finger, the Jewish Christians are pointing their finger at the Gentile Christians. And they're saying, look, you're not doing it the right way. We're going to point our fingers to you because you need to get straightened out. And so Paul responds to what these Jewish Christians are saying in Galatians chapter 3. And so we read this in Jesus' name. O foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed and crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Have, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are in the faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. 
This is what I mean, the law which came 430 years later does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God as to make promise, make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave to it Abraham by promise. By then the law, it was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not, for, it is, for if a law had been given that could give life, the righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Adam's offspring and heirs according to the promise. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and we thank you for its truth. Father, we pray that you would help us to see that as if we are under the law, we are not under your promise. So Father, we just pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning that we might grow in the wisdom and knowledge of who you are and what you have done for us in your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us a story about a woman who was caught in adultery. The Jewish leaders pointed their fingers at the woman and were telling Jesus how guilty she was. And she needed to suffer the consequences of breaking the law, which meant that she had to be stoned to death. As Ben shared last week and Adam the week before, the Jewish Christians were pointing fingers at the Gentile Christians. They were telling the Gentiles that they were not truly believers unless they followed the same laws in the Jews that the Jews had followed. But the Jews thought that they were okay because they believed. And they followed the laws and the traditions of their fathers. In our text this morning, Paul addresses that they both can't be necessary for salvation. And that only one could be true. So chapter 3 starts by Paul asking the Galatians how they could believe in what was being said to them. You foolish Galatians. I don't know about you, but that's not always how I'd like to be addressed in the beginning, is it? Who bewitched you? Are you so foolish to believe in what they are saying? It is as if they were being, uh, it was as though they were, th they were thinking about things without ever really thinking about them. You know what it is to be foolish? Unfortunately, I do. I know what it means. A group of friends, myself included, were driving up to Fergus Falls, Minnesota to see a friend of ours graduate. 
And on the way back, we stopped at the Minnesota-Wisconsin border. The Mississippi River separates Minnesota from Wisconsin and is well below where the road is. We went up to the highest point we could get to above the water and went to the edge of extinction. This area was fenced off and there was a sign that said something like this. If you jump off this cliff, you can get cited for attempted suicide. It was that high above the water. And of course, with all wisdom, I turned to my friend and said, I'll jump if you do. I don't think I need to tell you what happened next. So we'll just leave that right there. And no kids don't try it at home or on a cliff or anywhere else either. My foolishness did not lead to my death, but it certainly could have. And for the Gentile Christians, they were entering the edge of extinction, but for them, it would not have meant a physical death, but a spiritual one. Paul tells them that they need to rethink the way that they are thinking and not to let those other people teach them about this false gospel. The Gentiles were being taught that they had to live under the law and thus follow the whole law without breaking it. Verse 10 through 12 says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. So why is it that those who rely on the works of the law are cursed? Just for the simple fact that they could not fully follow the law. They would be found guilty of doing things that were contrary to it. Nobody could be justified. Nobody could be found right by doing the law. All people fall short of the glory of God. And the penalty of being guilty was death. Is death. Which is separation from God forever. And this was true for the woman who was called in adultery. According to the law, she was to be stoned to death. The Jewish leaders thought that they might trick Jesus in making him decide whether they needed to follow the Roman rule or the Jewish law. In other words, he would tell the Jewish leaders that they needed to stone her as the Jewish law required or to, rele to release her according to the Roman rule. Instead, Jesus said, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. He then started to write in the sand, and he looked up. He saw only one person, the woman. Now hear what Jesus said to the woman. 
Where are those who condemn you? Where are the ones that are pointing their finger at you? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What is Jesus doing by saying this? He's saying this. Do not live under the law. But live under the promise of eternal life, which is through faith. She was, and we are, able to live under the promise because of Jesus and what he did for us. And verses 13 and 14 tells us what he did. It says that Christ redeemed us. He bought us back at his expense, which was his death from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the Holy Spirit through faith. Instead of Christ pointing his finger at us, he pointed his finger at himself. Jesus took our guilt and he placed it on his shoulders and he took it to the cross. Our text tells us that just as Abraham believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness. By believing in Jesus and what he accomplished for us, we would not be declared guilty, but we would be declared not guilty. We would be found right with God. It was as if we had never sinned. Now the, promise, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to his offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. And Paul says, this is what I mean, the law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by the promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. The promise is of the Savior. And it is through faith that we have an inheritance. It is through believing that what Jesus accomplished was enough that we might have eternal life. And this is not by our own, um, own merit or achievement, but by grace through faith. For as believing Gentile Christians, we have been adopted into God's family. Paul shares this with these Gentile Christians. He says, know then that, this, that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, it shall be all the nations be blessed, or in you shall all nations be blessed. 
So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs to the promise. In the Old Testament, Israel was known to be God's children. And the Jews believed that if you were not a part of the Israelite nation, you were not part of Abraham's seed and not heirs to that promise. But Paul refutes this as he is saying that Jesus is the seed of Abraham. And everyone who is a part of Christ is a descendant of Abraham and thus an heir to that promise. The promise was not a condition of ethnicity, just as it was not an issue of social status. If you belonged to Christ, you were a child of God. If you belong to Christ, you are a child of God. This world, our country, does not know about living under the promise of the Savior. But it is living under the law. And people are accusing others for creating this whole mess that we are now in. And it would be easy for us, in turn, to point our finger back at them. Or we might say that reparations could be made. But it still doesn't fix the problem. It means that one group is guilty of doing something while the other group claims to be innocent. And of course, this causes someone to, someone to point the finger at someone else, whether it happened during their lifetime or not. But without Jesus, we will always be guilty. Whether we are white or black, whether we're male or female, we find ourselves in the same boat. And thus we are not able to love others like we should. Without Jesus, we will always seek what we want for ourselves and do things that will make ourselves look good and maybe even appease God. But these efforts would be fruitless. It will only lead to destruction for our lives, for our country, and for our world. This world needs the one person that could fix our country. And no, I'm not saying get a new president or we need a new governor. But the one person that could fix our country is Jesus Christ. Jesus came so that we could be reconciled with God and with each other. And not to be under the law, but to live under the promise that God has for us. For Jesus came that we may have life and have life more abundantly. Are you living under the promises of God which leads to eternal life? Or are you living under the law? As we stand on the rock, we do not have to feel or experience guilt of not doing enough or not being good enough. 
because we don't live under the law, but we live under the promise of the Savior. Does this mean that the law does not apply to us since we are, not li- that, since we are living under the promise? No, it does. We do not follow the law in order to receive salvation, but we want to obey God because of his love for us. We want to follow his ways because Jesus took the punishment of our sin and because we are his children. You know, when we were growing up, we followed our parents' rules at first, probably because we didn't want to get in trouble. But as we got older, we did not, or we did what we what they told us to do, not because we had to or to find favor with them, but we did them because of our appreciation for them, because we loved them, because they loved us. We also did them because that's how they showed us how to live in this world. The law helps us understand how God would want us to live in him. Not that we would depend on it to gain his favor, but to show him our love and our appreciation for him and all that he is and all that he has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, and to help others see who Jesus is and their need for him. For God adopted us as his children and and desires for all people to believe in the promise that God made to Abraham that Jesus would be a blessing to all nations as he came to die on a cross that we would be found not guilty and be able to celebrate life forever with him. We can live in that great promise today. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the promise of eternal life that you've given through your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray if there's someone who is hearing this message today, Father, we pray that you would turn, that that doesn't know you, we pray that you would turn their hearts towards you, that they might receive you, that they would receive their salvation, that they would no longer live according to the law or under the law, but they would then live under the promise that you have for them. Father, we praise you and thank you for the promise, the promises you made to Abraham. Father, we thank you for grafting us in as part of your family, not because we earned it or we deserved it, but because of your great love for us, that yet while we were yet sinners, you sent Jesus to die for us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.